The Word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the Word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our Saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's Word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to bromleytownchurch.com. We worship you. We have come into this place to worship you. We have come to meet with you. Father, come and meet with us. Have mercy, O God. Have mercy upon your people. Have mercy upon our lives, O God. Father, we have need of you. Father, we have been walking in this world during this week. Father, there have been ups, there have been downs. But one thing we know, when we come into the house of the Lord, we need you, O God. We need you. We need your presence. We need your Holy Spirit. We need your word, oh God. We need your empowering in our lives. We need you to lift us up. Father, we thank you that you are the lover of our souls. We thank you that you are the lifter of our heads. We thank you that you are our strength. We thank you that you are our shield. We thank you that you are our refuge. We thank you that you are our strong tower. We thank you that you are our help in time of need. We thank you, oh God that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. We thank you that we are more than conquerors in Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord, that you have given us of yourself. We thank you that you've given us a spirit, oh God, that would give us strength and empower us to live for you. Father, we worship you. We magnify you and we glorify you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Would you like to take your seats? Now, the truth is, we don't want to take our seats, do we? We want to go deeper and deeper. You see, the presence of the Lord is a reality. Many people, you and me, let's be honest, many people get confronted with the fact of, I want to find the reality of God. And we, we come on a church on a Sunday, we're reading in the scriptures and suddenly things seem to be wonderful. And then we're hitting the day back in the office when things seem to be so difficult and different. And people are giving us different opinions and the press is saying this, that and the other and it's telling us what we need to believe and we're being blown away from the presence of God and it it affects our lives. God is the one who has created you. He is the one who is sovereign over everything else. Many people would say there is no God. The Bible itself says this, the fool has said in his heart there is no God. Why does it say that? It says because when you go outside of here and you look at creation, everything around us, creation itself, it's like it's shouting at every human being, there is a God. There is order. There is structure. Nothing is by accident. There is a God. Our task is to seek for that God. The world presents itself as though it is a God. Ourselves present themselves as this we are God. It's not true. There is one God, and He is Lord over everything. And we've come to serve Him. And we need the reality of His presence, folks, because it's not just for us, it's that we need to be so changed that the people who come into contact with us, they become changed. So that when we go back to our offices, people say, What is it about you? There's a peace about you. It's not that we're perfect. Hands up who's perfect. 
Well, we want to pray for you. <laughs> we need to pray for you. We're, we're, we're not perfect people. What we are is we're people who've recognized that we've done wrong. We recognize that. We, we've stopped and we've considered, whoa, hang on a second. I'm ashamed of those things. I'm ashamed of those ways. They're not the ways that God wants me to live in. I feel dirty. I feel filthy. I, I want to be forgiven of those things. And we have found that Jesus came to the cross to die for our sin. He came to take the punishment that was due to us. He's taken it upon himself. That makes us a people who find forgiveness and peace with God. And it's because of what Jesus has done. It's because of what Jesus has done for us that we're here this morning. Because we want to live our lives for him. He who created the world and established an order for the world to follow, that was disrupted when man decided, hey, I want to go my way. And every time in our lives we suddenly decide, I want to go my way, trouble comes. May not be the first instance, but it comes. Because we're not designed to go our way, we're designed to live God's way. And when we live God's way, there's peace, there's harmony, there's wholeness, there's fruitfulness, there's joy. All of the attributes of God come into that. That's why we need his presence, folks. That's why I sing. I don't sing because I'm a singer. Well, you already know that. <laughs> Do you know what? I don't care. I'm passionate because I want to know Jesus. And when his presence comes, my heart is changed. And that's what we need. We need his presence. Hallelujah. Let's just speak for a little while here. Quick little while this morning, okay? We're going to start a new series, and this series is about our identity, who we are, how we feel about ourselves. And it's about our identity as Christians. So those people who have come to know Jesus, what I'm talking about is, if you have felt that wrong in your life, that sin, that's what the Bible calls it, that sin in your life, and you're trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, then that is how we become a Christian. We're, we're trusting him to forgive us our sins. And as Christians, we have an identity in Christ. And that's what we want to look at over these next few weeks. Today, if you like, the title is Acceptance. Acceptance. That we are accepted in Christ. And this is part of who we are. Now, being accepted, the dictionary tells us this. Accepted means generally ap approved Usually regarded as normal. Usually regarded as normal. Exactly. What is normal? Because you know what? When you go into the world and you tell them you're a Christian, they automatically think you're abnormal. You see? So this is all about acceptance. And acceptance is the fact or the state of being accepted. So when you are accepted, you find acceptance. And acceptance is something that we are all looking for. And you know what? It's a legitimate need because it's something that God has given us. He wants us to know acceptance in him. The thing is that so often we try to find our acceptance in the world. And you know, if you've gone back to school or you go back to college or you've gone back to work, you want to find acceptance there. And you know what acceptance is? Acceptance is like, well, if I wear the right clothes, then I'll, I'll feel as though I'm part of this people. And, and, and sometimes we struggle and we, we want to get a new look because we want to fit in. 
And that's the actual word. We want to fit in. I want to feel part of it. Why? Because there's a need within us that God has put there that we want to be accepted. So we're trying to fit in. The thing is, you, you buy the clothes, you buy the outfit so that you fit in with the work colleagues or the school colleagues. Of course, that's why we have school uniforms, so everybody is uniform. Everybody's supposed to be the same. But of course, they're not, are they? Because the, the cool kids tie their tie differently or they, you know, they, they adjust this or they, they, they do things about their uniform to make them different, to make them extra cool and stuff like that. And so that's what they do. But you, you buy the clothes, so there you are to fit in. So you think, well, I've got the clothes on now. I must fit in. And then you, you find, oh, it's, it's not just about how I look. It's about how I behave, how I think. And, and, and I've got the clothes, but now I don't fit in with them because they, they're thinking and acting, acting different to me. And I still feel rejected. And I still feel out of it. This is what we go through. This is what our young people are struggling with. And, you know, we struggle... When we don't find our acceptance in God, when we try to find our acceptance in the world, that's when we struggle because it's difficult to fit in. God wants us to find our acceptance in him. He wants us to find our acceptance in him because when we know that we are accepted by God, everything else can start to fit in around us. But you know what? If we try to fit in with the world and not with God, so often we can still feel disjointed from the world. We do things to make us feel accepted. If I can drink as much as my colleagues at work, then I'll be part of the gang. Things like that. If I can lose another few pounds, then I'll be looked just right and I'll fit in with the people around me. If I can only stop eating, if I can only stop my appetite, all sorts of things that we can do. If I can look as cool as the others, then I will fit in. These are just general statements, but you know what? They're not just general statements because we know what I'm talking about. Because these are things that affect every single one of us. We need to find our acceptance in God. I'm not as pretty as the others, therefore I'm never going to get married. I'm not as intelligent as the others, therefore I'm never going to make a business success comes on so many different levels, folks. I didn't have a mum or a dad. I don't know my mum. I don't know my dad. My dad did this. My dad rejected me. I don't know this. I don't know that. My dad died young. My mum died young. I don't have brothers. I do have brothers. My brothers argue with me. My sisters argue with me. All of that stuff. Listen, we find our acceptance in God. First and foremost. And when we find our acceptance in him, then we can start to deal with some of these other issues that have caused real pain and trouble and trauma to our lives and that do affect the way that we are. And sometimes those things that have affected us so much that we didn't realize they've caused us to have a driving force within us to be accepted by those around us. We need to find our acceptance in God. The enemy loves to tell us that our identity comes from what other people say about us. Hey, you're good, you're cool, you're tall, you're short, but whatever, you look great. No, no, it's not about what other people say about us. It's about what God says about us. That's the true, the true and the, the key thing. Here, I've got a few points. First point is this. There it is. I wanted you, there's no mistake... That's a pretty good point, isn't it? And it may sound a silly point. I wanted you. There is no mistake. 
Do you know what? That is what God is saying about you as an individual. I wanted you. I haven't made a mistake. You see, we look at ourselves and we say, wow, God wanted me. And you just about, oh, okay, maybe I could take hold of that. But then you look at yourself and you think, like, oh, God, hang on, did you know what you're about? You made my ears too big. You may be too tall, too short, too fat, too thin, too... And you go through this whole list of stuff about how he hasn't made you right. But God says, I wanted you. I've not made a mistake. He loves us for who we are. Colossians 1 verse 16 says this. I think it's going to come up. For by him... This is by Jesus Christ. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, underlined, listen to this, all things were created by him and for him. That includes us. All things were created by him. God created us. He created you. He created me. He created every one of us. We were created by him. Well, praise God, I was created by him. But the scripture doesn't just say that. It says, I was created by him. You were created by him. But also by him and for him. He made you and he made you for purpose. God has a plan and a purpose for you. You're not an accident. No matter what has happened or the reason that you are here, whether you know your parents or you don't know your parents or you've had difficulties with your parents or whatever you have come through in life, you are not an accident. You are here by the design of the creator of the universe. He has made you and you have been made by him and for his purposes. You see, if we could believe this, it gives us assurance. Wow, I don't care what other people say. I'm not an accident. I'm here for purpose. Even if that purpose is to cause them some, like, well, what's going on? Why is he so secure? What's going on? We are here because we were created by him and for him. God made us and he wants us. Now, you know what? That statement, I know I've been talking about how we're accepted in Christ, and I've been saying we're, this is about Christians, I just need to tell you that statement that we were created by him and for him, I don't know whether you're a Christian or whether you do not know Christ, I can tell you this, that statement is true for you. It's true for every person. Every person. Every person was made by him and has been made for him. So that is true for all of us. If you are a Christian, then yes, there are some further truths. And a further truth would be to say this, that not only am I created by him and for him, but I am also chosen. If you go to the next slide. Uh, created by him and for him, point one, I am, create, I am chosen. God has chosen us. And the Bible says this in Ephesians. It says, in him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him, who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. And if I put that in sort of English, even though I did say it in English, so we can understand it, what it's basically saying is this, is is God is working out everything according to his plans. So it's not like, oh, I woke up and it's, what is it, what's it, a Sunday today? Oh gosh, the people are in church, what, you know, I better be thinking about them. It's not that, God has purposed and planned our lives. 
And he knows what is happening to us, and he knows what has happened to us. And he knows what will happen to us. Because he is the one who knows the end from the beginning. So he knows the number of days that have been ordained for us. He knows the day when we're going to leave this life because our breath departs from us. He knows all of those things about us. He knows us so well. But he has said that he is working out everything in our lives according to his purpose. His will in conformity with the purpose of his will. So God is not a random thinker. He's not a sort of a lottery thinker. Like, you know, like spin the wheel and like, oh, stop it on that point. He's not like that. He's working things out in conformity with the purpose of his will. And you know that this will is so organized and so thought through that the Bible says, actually, we were chosen in him before the foundation of the world. Now, it goes beyond our understanding in one sense. And you hear of these scientists that talk about, well, how old are these rocks or how old are these fossils? And they start suggesting millions or whatever years old. And you think, wow. Well, if you're thinking, wow, about the age of rocks or fossils, then you need to think, wow, about the fact that it is before they were made that God chose you in him. It's quite a while ago. So we cannot say that God, oh, he's random. He's just lottery-type thinking. No, no, no. God knows exactly what he's doing. He's working things out in conformity with his purpose. So when we're talking about the fact that God has made me and formed me for his purposes, there is a tremendous security that we can gain from that. I'm not an accident. I'm no mistake. God wanted me, and he is here to help me and to lead me forward. Not only am I chosen, but it says that I am called by God. In John 15, it says this, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. We didn't even choose God. He has come and chosen us. He's knocked on our door. He has introduced himself to us. Maybe even this morning, you're in here, and actually, it's like, God is knocking on your door and he's saying to you, will you let me in? Did you know the door of your heart has a handle? That's the good news. The interesting news is this, the handle is on the inside and only you can open it. And God waits on the outside for it to be opened. You want relationship with God? You want to know God? I have to say, you have to open the door and you have to invite him in. He is more than willing. He is more than able to come in, but he is waiting for that invitation. And maybe for some of you here this morning, you haven't opened the door, or you're nervous about opening the door, I want to say to you, open the door wide and invite Jesus to come in. Because everybody who has done so has found that he is good, and he is there to help us and to keep us in his ways. Listen, folks, what is molding you? What is really directing your life? Is it your friends and your peers in your place of work or your school? Is it the adverts on TV or what you see in the magazines and in the press or what you've got on your phone? Is it the social media comments that you are getting? You're trying to raise more followers because that gives you a sense of greater well-being. Who needs more followers than God himself? That's the one that we want. 
Everybody else comes under him. And if we're one of those people that you're just anxiously doing everything you can to build your social media network, I'm not saying that's wrong, but I'm saying this. Let's find our security, not in the things that other people say about us, but let's find our security in the things that God says about us. Because God is true, and he does not change. Whereas we find that people are emotional and they make changes according to how we behave towards them or what they're thinking at one moment or even of what we've said or, you know, or what they have for breakfast or something. Whereas God remains the same. Uh, let's look at my second point here. Family connections. When it comes to acceptance, God wants us to know that we have a family connection with him. We are children of God and therefore we are part of God's family. As a believer, you come into the family of God. In John 1, verses 12 and 13, it says this, Yet to all who received him, this is talking about those who've opened the door of their hearts, to all those who've invited Jesus in, to those who have received him, to those who have believed in his name, he gave them the right, he gave them the right to become children of God. So if you've opened your heart to Jesus and you're believing in him for your salvation, you have given, he has given you the right to declare that you are children of God. Sometimes we don't want to say that because I look at my life and I can see the stuff that's gone wrong. So I feel as though like I'd like to say I'm a child of God, but I can see the stuff that's not good and that's not godly and I'm dealing with. Listen, I want to put that stuff to one side at the moment and I want to say to you, we need to declare, if you have let Jesus into your life, you need to stand before the mirror, you need to stand on the station and you need to declare loudly, I am a child of God. Because there's something about speaking it out that strengthens you in the inner being. It's true. And God says it's true. And when you start aligning yourself with what he says is true, you can gain strength from that. But we don't, we all, oh, I'm a child of God. Keep it a bit quiet, just in case anybody hears. God wants us to be confident in the fact that we are part of his family. Now, I know sometimes, brothers and sisters, you want to disown each other at the shops when something's going wrong or they said something embarrassing. I know he's not my sister, not my brother. You know, I know there's that happens. But God wants us to be proud of the fact that we are part of his family. You know, the family is the chief building block for society. Now, I know our society wants us to think differently, but it's not true. The family is the chief building block for society. The trouble is in a sinful society, in a sick society, and in the age in which we are living, the family unit, mum, dad, and children, and that's how they're brought up and looked after and cared for, is becoming so attacked and so broken that we're losing framework of what is real building blocks for our society. And you know how everybody wants to announce this freedom for everybody. People can do what they want, but you find that sons who don't know their father tend to be much more wayward and follow a life maybe of crime. I'm not saying they do go to crime. Why? Because they're looking for the acceptance of a father. And when we have broken families, we have a broken society. That's why it's very important for us to understand that we are part of God's family. We belong we have a father who does care for us. And sometimes this is difficult because we're relating to what we've understood on earth and we're now trying to look at that in terms of heaven. 
And sometimes there's a big difference there. So the best place to start is not to look on earth. Even if you have what you say, well, I've got a great dad. Well, good. God has provided that on earth. But many people would say like, hmm, let's not look at our earthly fathers for a moment. We bless them, we love them, or our mums. But let's look to heaven and say, God, you are my father and you are the one who provides and cares for me. When we find acceptance there, you'll find that things will change on the earth. But if you start to sort them out on the earth first, you may have difficulties with working out with God. We need to understand that we are children of God, that he is our father. You know what it says in the Bible? It says that he has adopted us as his sons. Ephesians 1 verse 5, he predestined, that means he thought, decided beforehand to adopt us as his sons through Jesus Christ. The adoption, oh, you're not a natural child, you're an adopted child. You know what? An adopted child has an edge on any other. Why? Because the parents made a specific choice. I want you. Sometimes children, you know, like, well, mum and dad were having a lovely evening and things moved on and, you know, how things happen. And then, a cha- and then a baby came. Now, that's great, and God ordains those things, but there's something very special about the fact that God says, I want you in my family. You know that time at school where, you know, they were picking you for the, I don't know, the football or hockey or whatever it might be, team. I was one of those who suffered (laughs) during that time. I suffered. I was not the greatest sportsman. I never have been. I don't even believe now I'm going to achieve sporting prowess. So I was one of those who was on the last. And you know how you're hanging around and he's like, me, me. No, it's always these other favoured people, those who could run faster. You know, there was a time when I was a bit fatter and I, so I did get picked for rugby for one point, but I could never really run, so that was a bit of a waste of time. Those times where you feel rejection, they're horrible. But we're not talking about rejection. Today we're talking about acceptance. And right at the front line is God, our Father, who is saying, you are a child of mine. Not only that, I decided, I made a conscious decision, I want you as part of my family. I have been adopted as a child of God. And even more so, it goes on in the scripture to say that we are friends of Jesus Christ. I used to call you servants, but now I've been sharing my heart with you. I will call you my friends. We're friends with Jesus Christ. Listen, we're part of the family of God. And I'm just going to move on because the time is going quickly here. God wanted us. He does not make mistakes. If you get that one thing in your mind that he wants you and he doesn't make mistakes, then that is a good takeaway from this morning. But we also have family connections from the point of view we're part of God's family. Uh, Third point, I am forgiven for my sins. I have found forgiveness of my sins. As a Christian, guilt, shame, regret, those weights that can often come upon us as people, those weights have been broken have been broken, have been broken. Oh, but hang on a second, you don't understand what I'm living with. You don't understand that? I do. I know exactly what's going on. Well, not exactly. I I can understand. I empathize with you because I feel the same. So often we find it difficult to say, oh, yeah, I, I have been set free. I have because we still remember things. 
But you see, when Jesus died on the cross, he paid the punishment for our sin. It's not like he says, oh, went to the cross on Good Friday. Oh, it's only a month later, they were back doing it again. I've got to go back to the cross. Jesus went to the cross once and for all, and before God, the cross is seen sufficient for the paying the price for our sin. I have been forgiven for my sin. Let's have a verse, a scripture come up. What have we got? Therefore, this is Romans 5 verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified, being made right is what justified is. Since we have been made right through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Since we have been justified, past tense, it has happened. The cross has happened. It has happened. You have been forgiven. Your sin, the punishment for your sin, has been paid for. Okay, let's talk about a few problems and issues that we have with this. Not, I mean, that's good news, right? That is very good news. The thing is, oh yeah, but you see, I keep sinning. So I'm glad that my sin's been forgiven, but I keep going back into those ways. And let me tell you this, there is an enemy who is against you who wants to remind you of every time you fall into something that's wrong. Every time. The enemy wants to say, you sin, therefore you are a sinner. God wants to say this, I've cleansed you and redeemed you and made you into a saint. I do acknowledge that saints sometimes sin. Now, there's a difference between that. Now, we could go on to a lot of teaching here. The first thing we want to underline specifically is that the cross has paid the price for our sin. There is nothing that we can do. If you're one of these people who's thinking like, look, if I get up in the morning and, to use a Catholic phrase, I'll be saying all my Hail Marys and I'm doing all of these religious things because that's going to also help me get to heaven then you're wrong. It's faith alone in Jesus Christ that will get you to heaven. There's nothing else we can do. We can't, you know, it's not about helping old ladies across the road. You know, I've done good deeds. I made a cup of coffee for the boss. I've made a cup of coffee for the boss every morning since I've been in that job. Therefore, God is going to sanctify me and make me right. No, we are made right because of the cross of Jesus Christ. That is where we were justified and made right. Okay, now let's look at our lives. So I gave my life to Jesus as a young boy. I was forgiven of my sin. Since that time, I have sinned. So does that take away the fact of what the cross has done? No, it doesn't. But it identifies something else that the Bible talks about. If we keep on sinning, then we are slaves to the one that we obey. You see, it starts to point out that it's not about whether you are a child of God or whether you've moved. It starts to point out there's still areas of your life that you haven't surrendered to Christ. There are still areas of your life that you're still holding on to. There are still attitudes that you are wanting to keep hold of, not let go. If I let go of it, will God be enough for me? But I find pleasure in those things even though I know I shouldn't be doing them, or watching them, or taking them, or imbibing them. But I find pleasure in them. Yeah, but what does God say? We need to start with the basic. You know that God's rules are the way that the earth should be run. That's the truth. 
And by the way, let's stop pointing out what other people aren't doing. Let's worry about what we do. You worry about your own life, get your own life in order, and God can do things apart from that. Having said that, it's much easier to point out other people, by the way. I notice you haven't been doing this. You know, have you been reading your Bible? Have you been doing this? I noticed, ooh, what you did last week. Ooh, no. So easy to look at others. I've got to stand before God. I've been thinking about this over this last few days. Repentance. How much does repentance come into our lives? Real repentance. Godly repentance. You know, godly repentance is when we suddenly feel cut to the heart that God doesn't like what I'm doing. I was thinking about Joseph. In the Bible, the story of Joseph, a great story. Guy who has dreams that he's going to be great. His brothers don't like him. Cut the story very short. His brothers hate him, so they sell him into slavery. Get rid of him. We don't like that brother. Let's get rid of him. So he's now become good as dead. Now, they carry on their lives, but they're guilty. (laughs) And that's another part of the story. Joseph, he goes off and he gets into slavery. He gets bought by Potiphar, who is a, a, a big man in Egypt, and he gets to look after his household. Joseph, and I'm putting it in modern-day language, is a fit, good-looking young guy. Potiphar's wife fancies him. Big time. All right, you can see I'm, being, I'm not cutting to the chase. <laughs> Potiphar's wife cuts to the chase. I want to sleep with you. Oh. Exactly. <laughs> that would have made headlines of the tabloids, and no doubt, in those days. Joseph is a man who follows God. He's a young guy who's, let's just say, feels emotions, is stirred, Within him, as with any young man or young woman, has a desire for sex. Because that's something that God has put in us that we might reproduce and continue as a people. But he comes under God. And so when this woman is saying to him, hey, come to bed with me, he says, far be it from me to sin against God. Now, you know what he's had to do? He's had to put aside all of his own passions. He's had to put those down. It's not like that, yeah, you know what, I fancy a bit of that. That will make me feel better. Yes, I know. Your husband won't know. We can do it quietly. All of that stuff. Let's not pretend he didn't think about those things. He's a normal guy. But there's somebody who he's under. He's being ruled by God. And therefore, his life looks different. He has subjected the flesh put down the emotions because he knows that God doesn't want us to live in adultery, doesn't want us to cross certain lines. He knows that, so he lives in accordance with God's ways and he sacrifices those things and he recognizes that actually doing the things that God doesn't want is a sin. Now, how often do we think about the things that we do as being sins until after we've done them when we feel guilty? He's thinking about it before. I shouldn't be doing that because God doesn't like it. Therefore, I won't. This guy was a man of God. This guy had learned the discipline of coming under God's authority. And he said no. And he ran away. There was another day when there was nobody in the house. 
Potiphar's wife didn't just want to get, she wanted him and she got annoyed with the fact that he was saying no. So on this day, she grabs him and says, come to bed with me. And you know what? He slipped out of his jacket and left his jacket in her hand and ran. Guys, sober moment. If you were in that position, would you run or would you find yourself being tempted? Let's not answer it because we don't want to be embarrassed. But I know what Joseph did. And if we're going to be living for God, we need to have lives that are like Joseph. Where we're thinking about God and what he wants and not about the things that we want. See, so there's two sides. You're forgiven for your sins. Joseph has come to the point where he finds forgiveness for his sins and it's causing him to have a changed life. Because that is what God wants. God wants to put his life in us so that we can say no to ungodliness and yes to righteousness. That's what the grace of God has been given to us. Not that we might sin and then just say, God, I'm terribly sorry, but that we may not sin because we know the power of the living God living within us. We have been forgiven of our sins. This is a true statement. We are children of the living God. He has set us apart for his purposes. That is what he has done for us. And we need to live in the fullness of that. I think, just go to the next page. Yeah, I knew there was more. See, I have been justified. I am forgiven for my sins. I have been justified by God. I have been redeemed. To be redeemed means you have been bought back from a situation. Being redeemed is like a slave. A slave has sold themselves. In the days of Jesus, people sold themselves. They ran out of money. They got into debt. How do I pay my debt? I pay it with myself. I'll become your slave. Therefore, the debt is cancelled, but you are now in slavery for the rest of your life. That's how people were. How do you get out of that? Somebody needs to pay back the debt and buy you out. What it says in the Bible is Jesus has bought us out of slavery. Now we must ask, well, how can we still be slaves? Because we're foolish. We listen to the lies of the enemy and the enemy is shouting in our ears, even if he's shouting in the ears of some of you this morning and saying, this isn't true. You can't believe it. It's not for you. It is true. God is your father. He has chosen you. He does love you. He has a purpose for your life. He is raising you up as his son and his daughter. And we have to stand on the truth and deny the lies that the enemy brings to us. We have been redeemed. And therefore there is power in the blood of Jesus to set us free from everything that the enemy sends against us. But you know what? The language that the enemy understands is only this. War. Not like, oh, I don't fancy it today. Or, or please leave me alone. You know, when you've got a bully attacking you, do you or, or, or not today. The school bully who comes up and pushes you around. And I don't think that's for me today. The bully will just be all over you. If you're going to stand up against a bully, no! And suddenly the bully, you know, yeah, see? Sorry, that was, a bit, that, was, that was a bit bullyish. But it woke you up. There you go. Praise the Lord. That's what the enemy, the enemy needs to be told. It's time for you to leave my life and get out of here. But he has to be told because the only language he understands is that of war. And lastly, I have been bought with a price. The price was the, the life of Jesus Christ. As Christians, we declare this, I am not my own, I have been bought with a price. The precious blood of Jesus Christ. 
that price has been paid for each one of us and that price sets us free. That's why we need to honour God with the way that we live. Because he's paid the price for us. We need to honour him daily with how we live our lives. Folks, will you stand up? Because I'll finish here. There's bits and pieces that we could say. We'll come on to those next week, maybe. I just want to put this page up. I want us to make some declarations together. Just to read this through, these lines, just to emphasise it, because we're declaring truth about ourselves, and we want this truth to enter our hearts. Now, we have to meditate on these things. We have to take hold of these scriptures. We need to speak these things to us more than once, but we want to make them part of us. So let's just read these lines together from the first line. I am wanted. I am not a mistake. We'll repeat that. I am wanted. I am not a mistake. The second line. I am a child of God, a member of his family. I am a child of God, a member of his family. And the last few lines. We'll see how we get on with this. I am forgiven. I have been redeemed. I have been bought with a great price. Therefore, I will honour God and live for his purposes. Amen. Amen. Folks, I don't know where you're at, but we need to build truth in our lives. These are dangerous days where the works of darkness are increasing when the world seems to be becoming more of an evil place. But God has called a people who are known together as the church of Jesus Christ. And God is going to have a pure, spotless bride, the church, to declare to the nations of the world that only He is God and only He can bring salvation. Therefore, we are, there's a purpose that we're all about. And we need to become secure in God that we may accomplish his purposes in our generation. Amen.